What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. You're watching From Prison to Purpose. You may be listening to it. I don't know, but I am glad you're here. My name's Jimmy McGill. I'm an author and a public speaker. I'm a successful person who has returned to society from incarceration to show the world that there is life after prison. I'm a husband, a father, a homeowner, founder of a nonprofit, and I've done a lot of cool things in my life. And all that is solely because I'm a person in long-term recovery from the disease of addiction. And we like to use this podcast to show people that there is life after drug use. There is life after incarceration. And today is a phenomenal guest, Brian Fleckenstein. He is an APRN. And that's a fancy word for nurse, practitioner, psychiatric. So he can do all kinds of cool stuff. But I saw him in his early recovery journey. And he is from my hometown. And he has done time all across the states in, in different jails. And despite a plethora of self-imposed disadvantages, he still defied stigma and the odds that were stacked against him and created this amazing life. And we're going to talk about it today. So without any further ado, Brian, welcome to the show. Yo, what up, Jimmy? Hey, you excited? I am. It's cool to see you here, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. So let's let's just dive right into it. Where are you from? What was life like growing up for you? And what did that look like for Brian? Uh, I'm from North Rock, Arkansas, uh, born and raised. Um, I come from a good family, middle class. Um, parents got divorced when I was nine. Uh, you know, at that point, that's kind of when I started noticing things were different for me uh, as far as like what I was seeking you know, um, but yeah, born and raised in North Rock, Arkansas. I've lived in Florida, Michigan, was in Cuba for a little bit um, with the Navy. Uh, so been a little bit all over. Nice. Nice. So when did the drug use start for you? Uh, you know, people ask me, I'm like, man, I don't remember what I did yesterday. You know, so 13 or 14, I think I, I started smoking weed and drinking, um, you know, and then it progressed. Uh, but that's 13 or 14 is when it started. What What do you think happened that made you want to try uh, finding a way to to escape whatever it was you were trying to run from? Do you think you were running from something and that's why you smoked or were you trying to fit in or? Uh, it's probably the fit in. I don't think I was running from anything, uh, maybe for friendships. Right. Or, um, you know, I don't think that that I was running from anything, maybe just trying to fit in. Um struggling, you know, uh, teenagers, those feelings and emotions, right. Trying to deal with those. And it was easy when I got something in me to deal with all that stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know how to process our feelings mm -mm. till we're loaded. Mm -mm. So which came first, the weed or the drink? Uh, the weed. What'd that make you feel like that first time you smoked? I mean, you know, just, uh, you know, a lot of laughing giggling right. you got the goofy yeah got real goofy did you get the um, munchies i did i did um <laughs> you know you... i remember like it, <laughs> it, it was cool but like i don't know it was just one of those things like you know i knew this wasn't it um yeah there was more to this and i remember that from an early age i mean when i started like yeah this is cool but yeah but there's a butt in there, a cancellation. Yeah. One of the things we like to do on From Prison to Purpose is laugh about the things that used to just cause us so much pain, you know? So <laughs> yeah. I never I never understood that, you know, smoke a $10 blunt and eat $100 worth of food. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and the weed made me stupid paranoid. Yes. I was not one of those people who enjoyed pot. Like, as soon as I smoked it, I felt stupid. I thought everybody was laughing at me and that you knew how stupid I was. And I tried to hide from the world. Yeah. Same. Really? Yeah. Same. Then why it in was, the hell it, did we keep it smoking dumb. it? I mean, because it was everywhere. It was the easy stuff to get a hold of, right? Yeah. I mean, my first time was out of a Coke can, you know, like, come on. Yeah. Old carburetor. Yeah. Safety pins. Come, put the holes in it. Come on. <laughs> I just knew I was dumb doing this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so after the after the marijuana started, what what did that drug use progression look like for you? Uh, I'll never forget my first experience with uh, cocaine. It was a primo, you know, uh, at a guy's house, and I'm not gonna say any names, but anyways, that's how I was introduced to to cocaine. And after smoking that blunt, I knew 
right? Like, yeah. Okay. So for the this for the it. listeners that don't know what a primo is, yeah, it's just a it's just marijuana laced with cocaine. What that do to you? Uh, I just remember the ride back to school going. Oh yeah, we in there. <laughs> Energy. Yeah. 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 You're feeling good. Yeah. 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 Way different than what I was feeling with just the the just the marijuana. Now, how were you then? I don't know, 15, 16. So you'd been smoking for a while before you, you oh, stepped yeah. it up. Some. Every day. Just, uh, I mean, not at 13 or 14, but for sure, 14 and 15, it was, it was all the time. So the, the drinking from 13, 14, 15, the drinking, the bud smoking, was it like every weekend party scene? Uh, no, it was, it was, no, 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 no. We, I'd stay high every day. Uh, you know, middle school, seventh and eighth grade, not so much, but as soon as I touched down in ninth grade, it was as a wrap. Yeah. How did you hide that from your parents? Uh, you know, since they were, they got divorced, you know, there was like this power struggle over you. Yeah. For me. And, uh, um, I can relate to that. Yeah. And you know, I learned a good lesson from that, like what I don't want to do. Right. And how I want to co-parent, uh, because of the non-co-parenting, I think that sent me in a, in, in a worse place. Um, and I'm not, my parents were good. I have fantastic parents. They helped save my life. Um, but you know, just the bitterness, you know, between them, it was just a constant battle for me and, you know, who I loved more and, you know, so, um, anyways, I, you know, as time went on, I lived with my mom most of the time. I saw my dad every other weekend. Uh, you know, he stayed and he owned a rent house across the street from central high school. Uh, you know, so those weekends were kind of wild, uh, lived in a, a triplex and, and Levy, um, but, you know, I love my dad. I looked up to him, and but I didn't see him often. Um, you know, was, I was always at my mom's and she lived in Lakewood. Um, and, you know, I, I spent most of the time with my friends or tried to. Yeah. So one, one of the things that we notice about guys from North Little Rock, right? Like we had Mary Beth on here uh, recently and, you know, I'm from North Little Rock and North Little Rock's famous for a couple of things, gang banging and methamphetamine, mm -hmm. right? And so uh, most white people that came out of North Little Rock in your age era were affiliated to some kind of gang. How did you duck that or did you duck that? Yeah, no, I, I ducked it. I wasn't ever affiliated. Um, you know, my thing was cocaine for, for a long time. I didn't, I got into the, uh, the meth in my early 20s, but and I was a cocaine guy for a long time. And some of the guys that I knew across the tracks, um, they loved me cause I was going to spend money with them. Um, but you know, those, I, I just never had any gang affiliation. You grew up around it. Uh, what the gang affiliation? Mm -hmm. No. Um, you know, I knew some guys in gangs and it, it just, it wasn't my, you know, it's it's crazy to hear yeah. you say that. It's like North Little Rock has two two separate worlds in for one. For sure, for sure. I like to, um, you know, it was it was easy on my side, uh, and you know, I could go get the dope on the other side. I could hang out for a little bit. I remember, you know, that's where I learned how to play dominoes and, and off a of pike, short seventeenth. Um, yeah, see, that's all gang affiliated. Yeah, but you know, I, you know, especially the white boys over there. Yeah, just clean cut. <laughs> white guy, man, and just pop in for, you know, a night or two and, and dip. Right. You know, I, I, I'd pick my stuff up and come back to the nice side where, you know, it was all just like privileged and, you know, we never, um, I, there's so many instances in my life where, you know, I, I, I skated. Yeah. Uh, and, On thin ice probably. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it was, it was nice and, you know, it was fun for a few years. Um, did, did you ever see anything crazy when you went to that side of town to, to like hang out and just buy dope and do dope and play bones? I mean, I, no, not any crazier than I've seen the rest of my life, you know? Um, no, nothing. You've seen nothing some, yeah, I'm, I bet you've seen the way you've traveled though. I bet you've seen some crazy stuff. And Yeah. You know, I've, yes. Sure. Yeah. I've hung around uh, killers and, and been a part of that and, and skated from Florida just in time, you know? Yeah. Well, um, well, tell me about that. Uh, What's that look like? Man, I just, Duval County, shout out Duval. Um, 
you know, that was probably the roughest period of my life. Um, you know, uh, I was with, uh, the mother of my daughter, uh, and it's just a toxic relationship. And, you know, man, I'm just, a, you know, I look back at those days and just so regretful, but, um, you know, met this woman and, uh, we dated for a long time and had Sophia, uh, my wonderful daughter. And, uh, anyways, life was very chaotic cause I just couldn't stop using, uh, no matter where I went I can, and I can fit in anywhere. You know? now, now, what were you using at that point in your life? Uh, in Jacksonville? Yeah. Well, it transferred, you know, to, to, to the hard, to crack, uh, to the butter. Um, you know, I, I, I got in with some guys that were some heavy hitters off of Justina Road, uh, you know, and I went to visit that place actually last January for the Arkansas Bowl game. And, and it still, it just looks like a war zone. Uh, but I was there every day, you know, on the stoop and just, um, man, that's a, that's a hard place to, gr to, to be around all day, every day. Um, so, so you're in a relationship with Sophia's mom and she's got an order of protection on me. I mean, so I'm living, I'm not living at the, the condo, you know, I'm living, I think I was living, uh, I wasn't anyways, where I was living, uh, <laughs> it just, uh, you know, anyways, I chose to, you know, I went searching for something and I found it, you know, I found my little crew and I had fun for a little while. And, uh, but it was the scariest time of my life for sure. was Justina road. Yeah. And so you're in full fledged crack addiction at Man, this point. Yeah. I never forget. I let a, a crackhead finesse me into trying it. What I'm, you know, and, uh, I remember that first hit going, you know, I cussed him out. You told him get, get out, you know, cause I knew that I was in trouble. Loved it. Loved it. And, and for whatever reason, I, there wasn't any, you know, at that point in time I had done plenty of meth and, and, and I was a more go guy. I loved the meth. Um, but it just wasn't where I was at. What, what did the crack make you feel like when you hit it that first time? Too good. Too good. And you know, just... I, I love the want, want, I mean, I, and, you know, to, to sit here and think about it, it's like you talking about the marijuana, uh, you know, how stupid, because this the shortest high and I'm going to sell everything right to and get have, more to get more and have nothing and do all this goofy stuff to to just maintain. I mean, well, how, how did you maintain your crack habit at that point? in I, your life? I, I had a job. Uh, I had a decent job as a medical assistant uh, working for a pulmonologist in, in Jacksonville, Florida. While you were smoking crack? Yeah. How did you hide that? Well, uh, I don't know. Um, I started, I mean, I'm, they were they, they came to know that I was going to miss at least a call in one day a week. I don't know, man. I just made it shake. I'd leave the strip club, no sleep, and go to work. You know, we were in the strip clubs all night long and I would leave, get, we, I'd get everybody home. You know, I'm the only one with the clean driver's license and, and I might get an hour of sleep, maybe not. And, and go into work. And so you were kind of like a functioning, functioning drug user and for a little while till I got fired. Yeah, sure. It always caught up to me. Um, what did it look like when you got fired? Did it, did it go downhill or is it possible at this point in your life for you to go downhill? Oh yeah. There's always a, you know, people always, there's, you know, they, th they said, I hit my bottom. I said, well, there's always a basement. Yeah. Know? There's a trap door. Yeah, for sure. If you want there to be, um, I mean, so lost that job and I just remember being with them every day, all day. Uh, a couple of the guys were wanted for murder and I remember, um, you know, he, we, we had different houses, right. When we cook and there'd be lines out, I mean, 30 deep around the apartment complex or the house. And I just remember that, uh, we would catch wind that, that the police had kicked that door in the next day. Right. So we were always, we, you know, it, they were, they were close. Right? They were, yeah. One step behind you. Yeah. They were there, but they were close. And I, I just remember thinking to myself that like, I'm going to go to prison for murder, right. Or accessory to murder, or, or, you know, like get tied into this and I cannot have that happen. Uh, and we literally moved. I, I wasn't even with, um, you know, Sophia's mom at the time, but I remember knocking on that door like two in the morning saying, Hey, we got to go. 
packed up a 27 foot U-Haul and moved in a tropical storm, packed all our stuff up, two cars, one of them on the hitch of the U-Haul and drove to Michigan. Now did the, I assume the police ended up catching the guys. Yeah. I got a call. Um, I don't know, a month or two later. Right. And, uh, one of the guys was like, Hey man, uh, you know, such and such got and and you know, and I had, that's when I had got this scar. It was like right after I got this scar, I had, I went to jail in Michigan and, and caught a DUI and a gun charge. And, and, uh, I'm like, man, I can't even help myself. You know, like, what do you want me to do? Uh, but I knew that they, you know, they had got them. So what, what did they end up doing to them? Uh, I heard he got 12, uh, I think. Um, listen, when I went to Michigan, I I got those phone calls for a little bit and and then, you know, I was on my, it's like, I'm, that's not my business anymore. Whatever y'all got going on. Yeah. Why Michigan? Uh, that's where her family was from, which is kind of strange because, uh, she's Dominican. Um, yeah. You know, she lived in the DR until she was nine, moved over here anyways, met her in the in the Navy and Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Um, but her, a lot of her family is in Michigan. They were in New York for a little bit, moved over to Michigan. So we moved to Michigan. I didn't want to move home cause I know what kind of shape I was in and it's embarrassing, right? It's shameful. I didn't, I didn't need my family to see how terrible of a father I was to my daughter and, and her brother, Christopher, my, my son and, um, who I was raising and did not raise, um, you know, so I, we moved to Michigan. So when you get to Michigan, <laughs> what's it like? Oh man! It's, I mean, you just went. All, did you go straight to looking for more drugs, or did you try to no, not use for sure, it all? For sure, I, I don't have any at this point in my life. I don't know how to cope. Right? I'm always searching for something because I don't know how to. I, I don't know how. I don't know how to live, and so um, you know. I've found, uh, cause you know, I've done a little bit of, uh, the dog food right in, in Florida. Um, and I found more of it in Michigan. So for, for the listeners, what are you calling dog food? Uh, heroin. Okay. Um, you know, I'm not a, a needle guy. I've always snorted and smoked everything I've gotten. Um, and so, uh, anyways, it just, it just progressed there. You know, I found some more dog food, found some guys from division street, uh, in Grand Rapids and, and, you know, uh, I couldn't partake, you know, and the Hispanic families are tight. Like I had all the support I needed and I just, you know, couldn't do it. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't stop. Use. Yeah. I didn't know how. Yeah. There's, there's really no mental defense for us when we're in active addiction, right? Like people are always like, why do you keep doing it? Why don't you stop? Cause we can't, Yeah, I, we can't I, stop. I literally wanted to stop like the last five years of my using and I could not. Yeah. Brian, could not. I remember staring at a loaded syringe one night in North little rock. I had been up so long that I was nodding out looking at this rig, knowing that I was going to do this shot of dope hated myself for doing it. I did not want to do it. The the sight of it made me sick. I felt sick at my stomach just holding that sucker. And I knew that I was going to do it. And I didn't want to. Yeah. And, you know, with tears falling, literally did not want to do that bump. Yeah. And I did it anyway. You know, they, like when you're that far gone, you know, not, not to get all clinical scientists, uh, brainiac on people because I don't have any major degrees. But what I do know is that with repetitious drug use, the brain starts rewiring the pleasure and award system for reward sure. system. And the only thing that we think about is, is getting and using and it's, it just becomes this repetitious obsessive thought. And Another another word for obsessive is a, is a fixed idea, a reoccurring thought that dominates all other thoughts, right? Yeah. And and until we act on that thought, it's there. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. Right. And so, what happened? How did you catch the the DUI and the gun charge? Where'd the gun come into play at? Uh, I always had a gun on me. <laughs> um, that's scary. Yeah, I know. Uh, and, you know, Chelsea laughed at me. Or, well, I mean, we can talk about that later. But she was like, oh, my gosh, this, what happened to you? You know, because she was giving me rides to meetings and I always had my gun. Um, 
road rage and, and waving it around, just silly stuff. Uh, just the paranoid mindset of living that chaotic life. Um, anyways, it was kind of laughable, but uh, the Michigan story is a, is a pretty funny one. Um, I won't tell you like the, the preface of it. Uh, yeah. I was just on a binge. Right. And I had, you know, I could have pissed hot for 14 things in the cup. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it was my first time. I remember going to the VA there and, you know, I was telling the doctor, I can't sleep. He was asking me about my sleep and, course i can't sleep i'm smoking hard all day every day uh which was wild anyways the man gives me some ambient I, and i had this job interview um i couldn't pass a drug anyways um had a job interview and i was trying to get right okay i was living at this pay by the week motel up there and um half the time i would spend that money and be sleeping in my car um but anyways so yeah i'm I was, I had this plan. I left a voicemail too on this guy that I was kind of hustling with. Uh, we were selling some cocaine and, but I had this plan and I won't talk about it. Um, you know, and I was on my way to do this plan. Right. And I had taken some Ambien. And so I don't remember anything, but you know, waking up and splitting my wig, right. I had hit this pole on the highway in Michigan and, um, the next thing I know, I'm like, you know, I've got on all black, if that tells you what I was headed to do. But uh, there's blood everywhere. And I said, oh, my gosh, my car's, you know, it's jacked up. It's not drivable. And so here I go. Best thinking said, uh, let's call the police and tell them somebody hit you and you need some help. Uh, and so that's what I did. And, and it, and it you was even called the police on myself. Yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is a which is a fantastic story. Uh, it's the only time I think I've ever called the police in my life. Um, and anyways, good cop, bad cop show up and you know, one of them was going to let me go. I said, Hey, you got a ride. And, and then the other cop, he's looking around in my vehicle. Right. And, um, I said, I got a ride. I will get a ride here in 10 minutes. I promise you that. Um, and as I, we were doing, having this conversation, the other guy's like, Hey, we got some guns back here. And, uh, he found one of them and he didn't find my pistol. Uh, he found the shotgun and blah, blah, blah. And so they took me to, well, to the ER first, you know, I had split my anyways. So, yeah. So how long were you in jail for that little trip? Kent County, uh, a couple of days. Um, I remember that the guy that I was hustling with had contacted <clears throat> my mom. I mean, you know, like I told you, man, my parents, they fought for me my whole life. You know, the, the, the one felony charge that I had in Conway, you know, my dad paid for an attorney and, uh, you know, so anyways, it was, it was a couple of days and I was bonded out. Wow. Um, what about now? Do you want to talk about Cuba? Um, whatever. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's like good. you're, you know, we were talking earlier about my son Carter, you know, traveling all over and it's like, you were a traveler too, except you kept going to jail everywhere you went. Like thus far in your story, that's the common denominators is Brian crack jail. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of other substances too, but yeah, the hard definitely took me down through there. Uh, I, you know, listen, I did a little time in the Navy, right? Because I caught that terroristic act charge in Conway, right? Where we tried to blow up this propane tank. No, we ain't even talking about it. Back up. Let's talk about Conway. Okay. Well, so you're MacGyver. You're going to yeah. blow up a propane tank. Well, the thing was, is we went to a frat party, um, me and four, three of my friends. And anyways, big, you know, we're trying to holler, you know, the girls and the guys don't like it at this party. And, and so, and thank God, I would appreciate y'all for not, because they could have done a sin. It was about 50 on, about his size. Yeah. Uh, 50 on four. Uh, yeah. Um, anyways, well, one of my buddies was like, he's a big guy. He's like 6'6", six, six, two, 230, 240. And, uh, yeah, like, he ain't finna put up with all that, that racket. Yeah, he said, man, I didn't put a dent on my new truck too. He said, no, 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 we're going back. And of course, you know, I'm hitting the line. And and I said, I said, bet, I'm, I'm rolling with you. And two of the buddies in the back said, no, you can drop us off. <laughs> yeah. So we went home, got a shotgun and a propane tank, you know, uh, anyways, um, you know, just being, just being, just, there's no, there's what no was logical. the propane tank for? We we're trying to blow it up. 
You were going to shoot the propane tank with the shotgun? We did. Yeah. And it, uh, fortunately for us, right? Like there's a whole lot of instances, people call it luck or whatever. Uh, you know, I've got lucky tattooed on me in this, but it's like a God doing for me what I could not do for myself. Um, a, a lot of instances in my life. Uh, so yeah, we, we, I put, I, yes, I set that thing by the party. I mean, I don't know what, you know, like what the thing was behind it. Like, were we literally trying to kill about 50 people or were we just trying to scare some folks? I mean, it was what it was. You get you a, can't even answer you get an eight ball in you and it is what yeah, it is. I know. Yeah, yeah. You're just acting hey. without thinking. Yeah. So, um, so what happens when you shoot it? It doesn't blow up. It ricochets. The It's a bird shot, right? Oh, my gosh. So it ricochets and hits some people. <laughs> That's terrible. That's crazy. White boys chased us on the freeway, right? Yeah, you done pelleted we, them. We dipped. And yes. And so, uh, anyways, then the state troopers got involved, uh, you know. Wow. Chased us down. Uh, and you, so you get a terroristic threat now. Terroristic act. Terroristic act. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. So anyways, got a lawyer, uh, and my lawyer, you know, was telling me about Faulkner County and he said, uh, they said, it's the wild, wild west, man. They do what they want out there. And, um, anyways, he said, but I think we can do this old school way is you'll, they'll drop it down. If you'll go serve in the military. I said, sign me up right now. No, I don't want to go. Why'd you pick the Navy? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Did you think there was good Coke in the Navy? (laughs) No, no. I I just remember like, man, I'm not trying to go beat. You put me in the infantry right now. I'm I'm, I'm killing people and I'm dying. Dead meat. Yes. It's over with. It's over (laughs) with. You're the first one bit in the zombie apocalypse. Yes. So you talk about true psychopath. Like, I don't care if I am going to die, but y'all going with me. Yeah, I'm taking 20 with me. (laughs) And (laughs) And I knew in my head that like, hey, man you know, you won't have much longer on this earth if this is what you choose. Cause you will go do that. And that's what will happen. Man. It's so crazy, man. Our way of thinking when we're out of there like yeah. that. And I couldn't get into the air force cause they were looking at the history or whatever. And yeah, you hire plus you higher than the plane. Yeah. And I, you know, I was high the night before I went into maps. I could not pass my drug test. I couldn't stop <sighs> using bars and Xanax and I could not stop. Yeah, you're you're literally couldn't a walking drugstore and street pharmacy I, all in one. I couldn't stop, man. And dude sent me in there. I went to boot camp and I detoxed in boot camp. 130 pounds. Oh I'm six one. I bet that's terrible. Sirens going off at four in the morning. Uh, you get your ass up. Excuse my language, <laughs> but man, you're in there dying, dying. <laughs> my 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 rack mate thought I was pissing myself because my bed was soaking wet Sweat. every day. Oh for like gosh. two weeks coming off all that stuff. Oh my gosh. I bet you, I bet when you started feeling good though, you started feeling better. That was the funnest time of my life. You know, I was like, Oh, I can change, I can change my life here. Right. And it wasn't long. I mean, I was in, I got out of boot camp, gained 40 pounds, you know, feeling good. Uh, went across the street in Chicago to the A school and I started drinking over there, uh, causing trouble. You know, it was, it's like that, you know, I just couldn't stop, you know, I just couldn't stop. So how do you, how do you end up in Cuba? Well, like my first duty station was in Pensacola. Um, you know, I, I make friends, right. I, I, I love people, all kinds of people. Um, Usually the wrong ones. <laughs> no, not necessarily. Anyways, the chief, the master chief of our group, he loved me, man. And um, out of all, there was like 75 of us. And out of all of us, he said, Hey, Fleck, where do you want to go uh, for your duty station? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, where do you want to go? Uh, and I said, listen, I'm from Arkansas. You keep me in the South. I'm going to be all right. And so he said, well, what about Florida? I said, bet. And so I went to Pensacola, got to Pensacola. I was sitting there thinking, well, if I signed up, there's got to be something behind this, right? I said, where do we deploy to? Because sign me up, put me down. Like the first week I was there, hey, put me on this list. How does this happen? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I was supposed to go to, um, Kuwait in like two days before it had changed. And they said, you know, you're not going to Kuwait, you're going to Cuba. I said, all right, bet. And so like me and one other guy were on this big C-130, just us two from, from Naval Hospital, Pensacola to Cuba. 
And I was with a bunch of people from Jacksonville Hospital, Jacksonville, Florida Hospital. And so we were kind of the outliers. We weren't trained on this. They had spent four months training in Washington State. And anyways, that's where I met Chris, um, Sophia's mom. Um, you were both in the Navy? Mm-hmm. Most beautiful person I'd ever seen in my life at, to that day. Yeah. And uh, chaos and so, you know, because in Cuba you can drink. There's clubs. There's a lot of Jamaicans with a lot of herb, you know. Uh, on the, you, know, you didn't stay sober and clean for long over there. No, I took, took maybe two hours. You know. So when you go to jail in Cuba, what do you go to jail for? Uh, so, you know, on base, there's duty vans. There's a lot of parties, a lot of clubs, like I said. Not a lot of clubs, but there's a club. There's a lot of places, uh, house parties, whatever. And one night I was, I was the duty van driver and I was lit um, just driving people home and um you know one of the guys on the thing was an mp he was a police officer in in the back of the van and and i'm speeding i'm having this little speed chase with this guy that i got into it with at the party i think speed limit's like 15 on base i'm driving 60 chasing this guy you're ready to fight yeah and um i remember buddy in the back the police officer mp he's talking shit and uh stuff sorry and um Man, I stopped the van. I reached around and just cold slapped him right in his face. The, the military police. police. Yes, and that was a bad idea. Uh, Clearly. I I, yeah, I guess he <laughs> called his people, and, man, next thing I know, every side. So, you know, I was the first person to go to that jail in a long time. I almost got that base um, shut down for dry, right? No more drink. Wow. Yeah, it was bad. I had a lot of people in there, you know, a guy taking notes of everything I was saying because I was in there. You know, I was, I was drunk and talking mad uh, stuff. And, oh, uh, my. Man, bad. That's yeah. nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you – now, how how old are you here? Today? Oh, uh, uh, I don't know. <coughs> 20, 26, 25, 26. Yeah. Now, how long, how long ago do you think it was? What do you mean? How, how many years ago? That was 13 years ago. I'm 40 today. God, you're a good 40, Brian. Happy birthday. You're 40 today? No, no, no. April today is in this year right now in the present. I'm 40 years old. Okay. Okay. I thought you were saying you slid in on me on your birthday. I'm like you're trying to get me for dinner or something, man. I'm a spring baby. Taurus in the house. Okay. Okay. So, well, for for one, that, that whole thing that we just went through is a crazy ride of insanity, drug use, endangerment just nuts that's a crazy story so did you ever at any point see you becoming dr fleck the guy that you are now Uh, well one i'm not a doctor right i mean you might as well be a lot of people um no no you know uh i got clean i remember you know i was getting high with this lady and she introduced me you know, Chris, um, Sophia's mom said, you know, you can't, you know, you get up for 10, 14 days, you start living in a, in a not reality. And, and I remember Christina telling me, you know, you can't see your daughter anymore. This, you're, this is too much. Um, and I remember getting high with this lady, old school lady, she's done nine years. She might be shooting dope to this day. Um, Anyways, uh, I don't think so, but uh, she introduced me to us. She said, well, what about, you know, Narcotics Anonymous? I'm like, what is that? And so, um, you know, I went to my first meeting, the light flipped on. And I knew, I didn't know what was possible for me, but I knew that, like, whatever it was, I was going to give it 110, right? Because I gave all that, you know, all the chaos, the little funny stories. You know, I gave that 110. I never went anywhere halfway and did halfway shit. I always was 110% on anything that I did. And so I knew that like, wow, you telling me I can live without putting anything in my body? Uh, Like who knows what's possible, but no, did I think I was good here? No. What do you think it was about that first, when you first started going to recovery meetings? I'm going to say that, that way we don't endorse anyone. Nobody comes at me to attack me. Yeah, that's good. And I should have left it alone, but uh what was it like yeah what what was it you heard in that atmosphere of recovery that made you want to that made you think you could stop getting high when nothing else worked it wasn't what i heard it was what i saw 
I could look into an individual's face, you know, cause like us. Yeah. We know us. I, I No, but I know. Yeah. I, it's almost like the eyes are the windows to a soul. Right. And, and, and I know somebody without them even speaking. Right. Because I've watched them. Yeah. I see what they're doing. And that's just how you survive out there. And when I came into the rooms, it wasn't what I heard. It was what I saw. And I saw the pain in people's eyes that looked just like mine when I looked into the mirror and that they were smiling and that they were hugging and that they were laughing. And, you know, and they were, you know, this was a joy. This was a, a place of love. Like I could feel it. You know, it wasn't what I heard is what I saw and what I felt that, that made me keep coming back. You know, that was the one thing that I did here. Uh, but it was what I saw and what I felt uh, is why I kept going back. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. And so how long have you been clean now? How long have you been in recovery? Uh, let's see. April 11th, uh, 2016 is my clean date. So seven, seven and a half years. Okay. That's amazing. Now, you, were you ever in recovery at any point before that? Now you know that. Yeah, but they don't. <laughs> Listen, the listeners don't. You know, I saw you come in. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I literally remember thinking this is the coolest freaking dude I've ever seen in recovery. No. Anyways, yeah, you were. You I, had your chest. So y'all can't see this, but underneath Flex Preppy sweatshirt is his chest piece, right? Like he's tatted like a Viking, like across his chest. And yeah, you're wrong. No, man. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you were you you were you made recovery look cool to me, man. Okay. That's you, Mike H, uh, Jeremy Rhodes. Like I, I remember, you know, I get there and I'm straight out the joint for my sixth time. I'm fighting for my life. I got a hella dope charge over my head. Mm -hmm. I end up signing for time and God had a different plan. And that whole sentence in order gets tore up, amended, and I never have to go to a day of it. But it was you and it was Mike H and it was Jeremy that really inspired me in the inception of my recovery, man. Like that, those early stages, there there would be no Jimmy McGill in the state of Arkansas if you guys would not have made this shit look appealing to me. That's what's up, man. And, and for a long time, I thought life without getting high would suck. There was no way that you know I can't have sex if I'm not on meth. Mm -hmm. uh, I what fun is life going to be if I can't tear up your brand new TV with a butter knife and try to put it back together? That I can't imagine living <laughs> yeah. if I can't do those things. And you guys showed me that that shit was crazy. And this is what life is supposed to look like. Yep. You know, you really did impact me hard, Flag. That's good, man. Yeah. Just passing it along, right? This is what we do. Um, that's what you do, right? That's what we're here for right now. This is just to carry a message of hope. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, it can help just one person. If it just yeah. helps one person, we, we in there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was in two years prior to my clean date, right? Had two years clean, didn't put in any work, uh, kind of half-assed things, got all this stuff back and uh, thought, you know, hey, these people are, you know, I'm different, right? I'm looking at the differences and not the similarities. And so, you know, one one weekend in Memphis, I do the goofy, got a gram of dope, ate it, and, you know, stripper, pony, boom, see ya. <laughs> Yeah. So it's, I think it's, it's important, right? Like it's important for the viewers and the listeners to know that you had a reoccurrence of drug use, right? Sure. Like, because so many people today, they fall off or, or they go back to use and, and they give up yeah. and they think, damn, man, this is it. You know, I'm ashamed. I'll never bounce back from this. But you did after two years clean and, and gathering all this stuff. And you didn't lose all that on your relapse either. No, no, no. It was a weekend. Uh, it was a weekend, which was going to turn into forever. Uh, I, one of my best friends, uh, my old Navy roommate, who is no longer with us, rest in peace, uh, Troy Smith, my man. He saved my life that, that weekend. Uh, you know, I was going to take him back to the airport. He was flying back to Tampa. And, um, I said, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold the room down. Right. And he knew I was on one, but he knew I, I was in recovery and he wasn't going to let it happen. And he's, um, you know, he was a bodybuilder, big guy. Right. And, um, you know, he, he said, you, what you need to do is pack your shit and get your punk ass in the car and take your punk ass back home to your family. 
And, you know, I sized him up and he looked for real. And I said, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do that right now. So I think I'm going to pass on that. <laughs> <laughs> Enough bad ideas man, over yeah, the weekend. Because I had been to the gym with him and the man is, he's not just big. The man was, is, was, Swallow, like, man, big, was like bigger than John John Bristow. But, but strong. I'm talking about strong. <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen the weights. I've seen the slow reps. I saw it. So anyways. Yeah. So I went home, man. And, and on my way home, you know, I'm coming down and. I called my sponsor and, um, you know, shout out to him, but you know, it's like, Hey, you know, good for being honest. Now take your, take yourself to a meeting and own up to it. And that's what I did. You know, I was in a meeting the next day, man, in the, in the corner, I'll never forget it. Recovery central. And, um, I know, was there. Yeah. Told on myself. And, 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 you know, that's the fundamental of life as it is, right? Like if I can be honest with myself and others, I got a, I got a chance in this thing. Yeah. Um, and staying, you know, clean and sober for the rest of my life. Right. And, and, and so that was, that had embarked really a fundamental, um, I don't know, uh, uh just the, the rest of my journey. Right. I, I remember that just butt naked honesty from the jump of this last time. And, and, and I think it can, you know, Hopefully, just for today, anyways. So, how long? How long after when you came in and announced that you, you know, got high, that you had relapsed? How long after that was it that you decided to start medical school? Well, you know, when I first got clean in fourteen, two thousand fourteen, I said, "Man, I'm going back to school. I have no felonies. Come on, let's go. I've got some medical experience." Now you don't beat every charge that you've been in jail for. Yeah, I, I mean, okay. and then it's just a bunch of bunch of i mean you know just a bunch of petty stuff, petty stuff. you know that one time uh and well the, anyways maybe two um but man i was the fire was lit in me you know and i knew that there was more to my life than just uh what i had been doing and, and kind of you know I, I didn't see a lot of people in recovery jumping into it but man i went to school within the first six months um and was you know my first semester was two f's and a c you know thinking oh Oh, you know, like I needed to, some humbleness and, and to to really know that like I've got to put in some work if I want this. Uh, and so, anyways, my journey began in school, and 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 I didn't stop. They tried to slow me down. I, I didn't stop. I, my first year of nursing, I was on probation with the state, you know, for some old stuff, right? But they didn't know me, uh, you know, and I didn't care. What What do you want me to do? I'll jump to these hoops. Come on, let's go. And so I drove to Malvern every day after a 12 hour shift to go pee, you know, because there wasn't any mail to supervise me in the city of Little Rock. Uh, I mean, I was willing to do whatever it took to get yeah. to where I was going and I wasn't going to stop. Um, and then once I found that psych, you know, I worked at the state hospital and I loved it. You know, those were my people talking to walls and, and throwing feces and then fighting and. It takes, said, it takes a special kind of guy to want to work with somebody well, throwing poop. Well, hey, listen, those are my people, right? People who who are struggling uh, mentally uh, because I lived in that world for a little while. Yeah. Uh, you stay up long enough on dope, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, right. And, yes. and, and so anyways, uh, I'm blessed to have that opportunity and learned about psych. And I was going to continue that until I got uh into my master's program, which I just graduated in May from Walden University with my master's in uh, in nursing. And, you know, today I'm a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner, and I just got my prescription pad in the mail. What? That is so crazy. <laughs> Bro, that is nuts. Yeah. You can literally write prescriptions. Yes. Yes. I know, man. Hey, trust me. Blows my mind every day to even think about this, you know. Um, that the amount of integrity it takes for them to give a person a prescription pad. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, only good people, for the most part, you know, and, and Arkansas is number two in the country for overprescribing opiates. Um, we're not like other states where it's hard to get a script. You know, last year there were enough opiates prescribed for every man, woman, and child to have a hundred pills each. Mm. Um, and so for people like you to be stepping into these positions and to be so public with your own personal recovery story, this is how we shape the narrative. This is how we rewrite what society thinks about our population of people and make no 
mistake. It is your population of people. It is my population of people. Um, when they hear the word drug addict, they think homeless, stinky, bum under a street corner bridge, you know, digging through church. That's not the case at all. You are a licensed psych nurse that can prescribe medicines for people. You are one step away from being a doctor fleck and you were traveling all over the world smoking rock, bro. I was defined as the textbook uh, epitome of a criminal. And I've shared the stage with the president of the U S I just left the white house a couple of months ago, bro. So there is no ceiling mm -hmm. to what recovery does for our people. Right. And the problem with the world is they don't hear our stories. Mm -hmm. And so this is our way of reshaping and rewriting that, that, that box that they put us in. Yeah. I uh -huh. Man, you're a bad dude, man. Yeah. A close mouth doesn't get fed. You know, I don't know about a bad dude, but I, I'm just like you. I, I, I really do. I give a shit about the addict. Right. And I want to help as many people as possible. Um, just from a place of love. Right. Like that's it. That's it. Uh, I don't need or want, I don't need this stuff. I don't, I don't, you know, my car is wrecked right now. I don't need a new one. Right. Like I live in a, in a modest house. I don't need a new one, even though the walls are closing in on me because I just had a baby, but I don't mm. need a new one. Right. Like um, I'm not chasing money. Right. I just want to be of service because I took so much from this world. Right. I abused so many women. I abused so many men. I abused children uh, in my addiction and I refuse to be that person anymore. I refuse. And uh, I want to be somebody that when that person walks in uh, full of shame and guilt for those same things that they've done, I want to be the first person that they see. Right. Yeah. We definitely need to get that for a clip. Ty. That, that, that almost broke me down, man. <laughs> well, so let me ask you something, Flake. Now that you work in recovery, mm -hmm. right? What are some of the biggest threats and challenges that you see for people in early recovery? Well, one of the biggest threats, and you know, it's kind of like when you showed us around earlier, right? Like I have people contact me and I hate having to ask. The first question I've learned now, it wasn't like that. I'd go down this rabbit. I'd say, okay, cool. What do you got? Where are they at? You know, how can I get, but now I, here's what I have to ask now. What insurance do they have? Yeah. Come on, man. I mean, what, in, these people just came from under a bridge. They don't have insurance. That's what makes um, faith-based recovery so vital to Arkansas. When you contact someone who's a faith-based treatment provider, their first question is not what kind of insurance you have. It's how soon can you get here? Yeah. Do you need a ride? Yeah. You know, and it sucks that the, the people who are in the position to provide the services like you can, your hands are tied yeah. by big corporation yeah. America. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's really, it's, it's just hard to watch, right? Because yeah. that's how poverty stays poverty, right? Uh, and that person stays out there longer, maybe dies, right? Because they didn't have insurance. Yeah. You know, it's like, mm, come on, man, we, we've got to do better than this because uh, don't count us out. Right. Please don't count us out. Some yeah. of the some of the best people I know in this world are in recovery, yeah. you know, and, and, and I've met, you know, yeah, the best the best humans I've ever met are in recovery. Like there are some amazing people. Yeah. In recovery. And, and some of the best men and women that I've ever had the privilege of having conversations with have done more time than than most people could even begin to even imagine, right? Mm -hmm. Like we are the most innovative people, most creative people. We come with a passion that can't be bought, taught, replicated, duplicated. We've got a desire to give back because we tore down so much, right? Like yep. we've been to more funerals than weddings, birthdays, and graduations combined. Mm. We have a passion in us that burns so bright, no water in the world could put it out. Bro. That's right. That's right. I, I feel that, you know, yeah, uh, it's in me too. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and thank God that somebody, you know, gave us a chance yeah, or took a liking to us or whatever it was along the way. You know, I've had so much help along the way from people in the, in, you know, uh, the church community, uh, just everywhere. Right. Um, and thank God for those people helping yeah. me along the way. But, 
Uh, yeah. So, you know, I heard you mention new baby. New baby. How's uh, that working out? So I have a 13-year-old and a four-month-old. Wow. I don't know. When people ask me, how's that How's that going? I, said, I don't know how I look. <laughs> you look you know, great. Yeah. Like... I clear, you know, Claire, my sweet, my sweet, sweet, sweet partner uh, does most of the work. Uh, and, She's you know, pretty awesome, too. Yeah. And I was talking to somebody just yesterday, last night, um, had some friends in town, but, you know, mothers. Oh, my gosh. Like, there's nobody stronger on this planet than a mother, period. Yeah. Uh, not an addict, nobody. I'm talking about a mother. Mama. Yes, a mama. Oh, mama hen, pick yeah. you out about them little chicks. <laughs> yes. Uh, but anyways, man, you know, listen, recovery gave me, you know, one of the greatest gifts recovery has given me is the chance to be a good father. Yeah. Uh, I am not perfect. I mess up all the time. You bring my 13-year-old in here, and she's going to let you know because she's honest as well. Uh, but man, it is so much fun to be a father. I've had so much fun. So this new addition has been, you know, it's all good. His name is Ace. Ace. You named him Ace. We sure did. Ace Coon Boom, baby. Okay. Ace. Why Ace? Where'd that come from? Uh, well, I don't know. You know, we had a bunch of names and I said, well, Ace was on the list. I said, man, that'd be a cool middle name. You know, I'll call him Ace. Right. And Claire, man, she's when she says some things, her her words, you know. Um, she's a teacher, so yeah, but yeah. but you know, she's kind of quiet and reserved. But when she speaks, to at least to me, I, I'm you know, oh, okay. She said, "Well, if we're gonna call him Ace, we're gonna name him Ace." And I said, "Hey, all right, all right, Ace." Yeah. So what what's the future look like for you and Claire? Um, man, listen, she is the most sweetest person I've ever met. Um, yeah, she's awesome in dude. my life, and um, she's she's, a, got, she's as athletic as you are too. I mean, <laughs> you, you, I don't know. You, you want to say that? I mean, y'all competitive like that? I saw yeah, I she, saw her dive at the kickball and catch that thing in yeah. midair. Did you see when it hit her in her face, and I had to catch it? <laughs> Did you see that one in the finals, or was it the semis? Yeah, but anyways, oh. yes, she is. So, is the potential there? For sure. You know, I'm just a knucklehead and I'm still working through some things on paper and, um, um, you know, for myself, you know, I've got a lot of healing, right. Uh, that I still need to do, but yeah. I'll tell you what, Claire's, um, made me a better man, a better father and just a better person. So I can relate. That's how it is with, with me and Chelsea. Yeah. You got lucky. Yeah. I did. It's, um, we worked harder this year on learning how to communicate with each other um than ever before and i've i'm a better man and a better husband for it like and you can attest to it brian we get clean we don't know how to be in a relationship i know how to have a hostage situation i know how to make you listen to what i want to say mm -hmm. but i don't have any idea how to listen to your point of view patiently not interrupt you and insert my dominance opinion because my opinion is what matters most Right. Like that's yep. a process for me to learn that. And yep. Chelsea's been very patient and, and so have I. And, uh, we both struggled more with our mental health than ever before this last year. 2023 was a hard year for us. Mm. Um, you know, we had nights and days of dark, dark depression, and then we would have months of happiness, you know? So, uh, it's been a good year for us and, I wouldn't trade Chelsea or my marriage for anything in the world. The only thing I regret is today I know that Chelsea was meant for me. And I didn't have the patience to wait on God's plan. Mm -hmm. And so I slept with everybody in the world before I ever met Chelsea. Mm -hmm. When all I had to do was wait and God was going to give me the perfect mate. And I mean, we just fit together. I agree. I've yeah. seen it. Yeah. I was at your wedding. Yeah. I see I see it. Yeah. I'm hoping I'm at yours. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We ain't gonna get into all that if you watch it. We're gonna get yeah. you know. But I am, you know, listen, I, I I'm taking, right? Like this it I'm That's yours. She's yes, yours. I'm You're hers. Yeah, I'm I'm committed wholeheartedly to Claire for sure in all aspects of, of life. I know she she probably gets pretty frustrated with me uh, at times, but um man, I'm committed. I'm, I'm happy. 
Um, and you know, 2023 has been fantastic, right? Like my daughter, I got a teenager, I graduate, I get, I pass my boards, I get a DEA, I have a son, you know, man, life is freaking awesome, man. man. Life is good, right? Life is so good. Um, and you know, I appreciate, you know, what you're doing here, um, and the things that you're able to accomplish through social media. You know, my sponsor always told me never turn down a reasonable request and, you know, it's almost a no brainer, even though I've got, you know, I've got things I need to be doing, but you know, this is something that doesn't come along often. Uh, the, the, the amount of people that you can reach, yeah. uh, is awesome. Uh, but the, the message of hope that you carry, man, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, yeah. And, and I'm riding with you, you know, um, yeah. I you, think it's, you remember a few years back, <laughs> I mean, they were tearing my ass up in the recovery community yeah. for being on social media. It, it just wasn't popular then. Yeah, for sure. And and listen, if it, uh, w- with good things comes resistance, right? Yeah. It's supposed to be hard. You're supposed to go through that struggle. It wouldn't, you wouldn't be here today if yeah. it wasn't people for talking bad about you or saying whatever about you yeah. like this, it was supposed to be that way. Yeah. Right. That this is, you know, this is way out of our range. Uh, we are yeah. not in control. You know what no, I mean? And no, so uh, as not. long as we follow our hearts, right. And, and carry a clear message of hope, then man, we in there. Yeah. Right. And God's grace is takes care of the rest. Yeah. I, I often, you know, I'm at this place where I know recovery, you know, God brought me to recovery, mm-hmm. but recovery brought me to God. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I always knew that, that there was something way bigger than me orchestrating things, but the things in my life that have happened over the last nine years has been every, everything about my life flick has been what war, the world says is impossible and can't happen. Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen. Like I got a it full, won't happen. I got a full pardon after six trips to prison yeah. with gun rights. Yeah. You know, if that's <laughs> not Jesus Christ, what do you call it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I went from zip tying people to wearing neckties at conferences in front of thousands of people. That's right. That's not God. What do you call it? I went from sitting in a state prison to, to a state position and was being walked out of prison with two COs on the each side of me with a brown paper sack. And they're clowning on me saying, I'll be back. I'll tell big country to leave the light on for you. And I've shared the stage with the president, man. Mm hmm. You know, I've helped write policies that, that have shaped reentry and recovery across the country, you know, and if that's not God, I don't know what, I, I don't know what to tell anybody who can't see that's God. You don't need to, like, know, it's if, all about just, Hey, just keep being you, right. Keep your heart in the right place. And man, it's all going to work out. I mean, yeah. look, look at this, right? Like I was at your marriage, I yeah. mean, your wedding. I was at your pardon party. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. Keep going. My God. Like, Hey, it's all good. Yeah. We ain't going to stop. We ain't going to stop till we are on CNN. We, we need our own TV show and Ty ain't going to be working (laughs) laptops. He's going to be telling cameras, which angles to cut. (laughs) We going hard, you know, Ty's legit. So you got good people around you. You know, he knows what he's doing. I hope Uh, so. He's got all my passwords. (laughs) (laughs) Careful. Uh, Yeah. uh, you know, I, I will say that when people ask me, and you know, I'm sure you get this a lot. If you don't, you will. You know, how did you get here? And for me, it was my only part in all this was being the biggest jackass I could be and showing up. God did the rest, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, just following the path laid out for me, right? Yeah. Like, and when decisions arise, like, you know, you remember that we talked at that meeting and you were like, hey, man, do you need a job when you graduate? You know, hit this, hit, hit these people up. And yeah. those people's numbers were big. Right. And they move fast, like you said. So, yeah. but, but for me, you know, uh, to follow my heart and know that where I was at was the right thing to do, uh, man. Yeah. It's all, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's good, man. You know, you know, yeah. I'm, you know, we, everything that glitters isn't gold. Right. Facts. Right. We, we stand Facts. on our message. Right. Yeah. We stand on it. It's so good, man. You've been a great guest. It's been a good conversation, Flag. We're yeah. going to have to have you back on here in a year or so, man. Hey, man, I appreciate you. Yeah. So for, for the listeners and the viewers, anybody that's watching right now, what what do you want to say about, you know, what kind of inspiration do you have to drop for those struggling or the parents who are 
in bended knee on bended knees every night praying for the the kids still trapped in addiction yeah well, that's two different questions right for the yeah. for the parents uh, you know uh, you want to say like you're gonna have to let your kid find their bottom right but my my parents never did that right and and they kept on so i don't know what's right or wrong for the parent um I know that you need to reach out and ask for help uh, for the addict still suffering, man. There's a new way to live. I'm proof. You're proof, right? Like there's a completely new way to live in this world. And, uh, you know, closed mouth doesn't get fed. That's uh, right, man. So, you know. That's good stuff, man. Well, Fleck, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Mm -hmm. I want to give a huge shout out uh, to Next Step Recovery Housing, the National Peer Recovery Alliance. Uh, Safe Haven Ministries and American Business Engine uh, for making this podcast possible and for everybody who who supports us, likes us, shares us, follows us on social media. Uh, please subscribe to the YouTube, Facebook, Jimmy McGill Live, Prison to Purpose on TikTok and YouTube and, and leave in the comments who you want to hear next. Tag the people that you want to hear their story on from Prison to Purpose. Uh, Fleck, I love you, man. Love you Thanks too, for man. coming out, buddy. Thanks for having me. All right. Yeah. You've been listening to From Prison to Purpose with Jimmy McGill. Please subscribe on any of the major podcasting platforms and on YouTube at Prison to Purpose. This podcast is produced by Ty King with American Business Engine and executive producer Jimmy McGill. For more information, visit us at jimmymcgill.org.